Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Mind Shifters Radio with your co-host, the Forgiveness Doctor, Dr. Michael Rice, and his wife, Jeannie. Michael and Jeannie share with you the wisdom of the ancient Aramaic internal process of forgiveness. They offer tools and support five days a week. They will support you in building a solid foundation within yourself to live in pure love. In Aramaic, Rachma. Michael is the author of Why Is This Happening to Me Again? For more information on Michael and Jeannie, please visit www.whyagain.com. And now your co-host, The Forgiveness Doctor, Dr. Michael and Jeannie Rice. To the brightness within you and the truth that is rooted within me. Hi and welcome to Mind Shifters Radio with The Forgiveness Doctor, Dr. Michael Rice. I'm Jeannie Rice, your co-host, along with Dr. Tim Hayes, and we welcome you to the show. Today is Wednesday, November the 18th, 2015, and our call-in number is 646-200-4169. Press 1, and that will put you in queue to talk to us, and we would love to hear your comments and your questions, because then that makes this your show. Welcome, Michael. Hello, Michael. Thank you, dear heart. Mute button was being a little bit stubborn. Welcome, everybody. We're can you bring your microphone? Honored. Can you bring your microphone closer to your mouth? You sound like you're real far it's away in a barrel. As close as I can get. It's right up against my lips. Is that not working? That's better there. But a while ago, it sounded like you were way far away from it. Okay. And we welcome everybody, and we're delighted and honored that you're here to share this space with us as we inquire and look into the possibility of how we as humans are capable of functioning and perhaps how sometimes we compromise or lose our ability to function correctly for a a variety of reasons. Yesterday we talked a little bit about on creating consciously and the idea that uh, we are creators. And I, I just had the thought that today we might look a little deeper into some of the dynamics of how we create what happens in our world. You know, if, the, uh, if you listen to the physicist, the physicist talked about this thing called the observer effect and that anything you observe is changed by the simple act of observation. And the reason that change occurs from a physics perspective is because the energy that you contribute to what you're observing has an impact. And one of the things that has a very profound impact on how the world behaves in front of us and how we play out what occurs is our whole world view that worldview that we have is a composite of all of the energetic dynamics resonated within us at any given moment, and those dynamics contribute to create the observer effect in the world that we see. You know, we've we've all heard of the thing of a culture shock. Somebody goes to another culture and they have difficulty adapting because everybody around them has a different worldview and creates differently. And in creating and seeing differently, there's a different dynamic to adapt to. And literally, every thought, every feeling, every word is in part our worldview and sets up the energy that we contribute through the observer effect to the world that we think is independent of us but is not independent in any way, shape, or form. So all of our thoughts, all of our words, our very perceptions reflect in, create, and perpetuate a particular worldview. 
You know, we've just had some pretty insane atrocities show up in our culture recently, again, unfortunately, sadly. And when you look at that insanity that is, and and, and in this work we define insanity as a lack of human life. How do you define a human life? She told the newborn child, you know exactly what a human life is. And that awesome presence of love creates a worldview. When we're able to see through that particular perspective, then we get to experience ourselves as true human beings. But when we can't experience ourselves, and we talked the other day about the uh, the film Bridge of Spies and how powerful it is at portraying to actual human beings, and one of the attributes of a human being is that of love of truth, and the desire to maintain one's human life no matter what someone else is doing. And and, and we're at a place where almost universally the worldview has become do violence to those who are doing violence and then you'll resolve the problem with no conscious awareness that doing violence to those doing violence simply adds to the pool of violence in the world and creates more violence. Dr. Kim yesterday was uh, was pointing out, the uh, yesterday, perhaps the day before, the, uh, the dynamic of time travel and that so many people would like to have been able to do time travel so they could go back and kill a Hitler or some similar figure in history rather than heal a Hitler or some similar. And, you know, if if we bought into that worldview of violence, then it seems like the only possibility. And when it is the only possibility, we can be guaranteed that that is going to perpetuate the world that we're seeing. I had a friend, Maureen Levy, who posted a... um, a post of a letter from a gentleman whose wife was murdered in the terrorist attacks in France a couple of days ago. And he wrote a letter to the terrorist. And I'd like to share that letter with you because it gives us the opportunity to see that there is a different worldview and perhaps we could be doing things differently. And this gentleman's worldview, although he's one who experienced directly the loss of a spouse, he refuses to get lost in the pain, the rage, and the hatred. So this gentleman writes, Friday night, you took an exceptional life, the love of my life, the mother of my son, but you will not have my hatred. I don't know who you are, and I don't want to know. You are dead souls. If this is God, for whom you kill blindly, who made us in his image and likeness, every bullet in the body of my wife would have been one that would have wounded his heart. So no, I will not grant you the gift of my hatred. You're asking for it, but responding to hatred with anger is falling victim to the same ignorance that has made you what you are. You want me to be scared, to view my countrymen with mistrust, to sacrifice my liberty for my security. You lost. I saw my wife this morning. Finally, after the nights and days of waiting, she was just as beautiful beautiful as when she left on Friday night. Just as beautiful as when I fell hopelessly in love with her over 12 years ago. Of course, I'm devastated by this pain. I give you this little victory. But the pain will be short-lived. I know that she will be with us every day. I mean, we will find ourselves again in this paradise of free love to which you have no access. We are just two, my son and me, but we are stronger than all the armies in the world. 
I don't have any more time to devote to you. I have to join Melville, who is waking up from his nap. He's barely 17 months old. He will eat his meals as usual. And then we're going to play as usual. And for his whole life, this little boy will threaten you by being happy and free. Because no, you will not have his hatred either. A worldview from someone who chooses to maintain their human life rather than fall prey to that which the insane fall prey to, the lack of human life, the violence, the hatred, the rage that would do damage to another. And yes, you may wear your top hat and you may sound very pompous, about how you're going to go kill the bad guys. But excuse me, sir, excuse me, ma'am, you're a killer, and your worldview is in error. You have lost your human life. I've heard those who go to battle tell me, well, I have to create a little niche where I put myself away in order to go out and do that. I invite those who've had the experience of having to create a niche to put their true selves away to bring the true self out and to start to see again through those eyes because those eyes will change the world. If you don't know how that's possible, if this sounds like an insane conversation, then I'm going to invite you to go to our website, and I'm going to invite you to get some idea of how the human mind works. You will get this idea of how the human works by going to www.whyagain.org. And when you get there, scroll down and you'll see a red bullseye in the middle of the page. Just to the right of the bullseye, you'll see a link that will open up a couple of other links. And one of those will take you to a video of how the first century Aramaic forgiveness process works and how the human mind works. Give it a look. Give it a listen. Listen to it with an open mind, if you would. Listen to it with human ears, the ears of love. And what you will see there is that there is a way to remove the brainwash that we've been pummeled with in this world of hatred and vengeance and rage and guilt and fear. And perhaps if someone asked you if you wanted to do time travel, you might spontaneously with that new worldview say, oh, I would love to go back to the early 1900s. I would love to go and visit the home of Adolf Hitler, soothe his mother's wounds, soothe his, soothe his father's wounds, hold that little boy and tell him how powerful a spiritual being he is and that he's made of love rather than wanting to do something different. If we could but do that in, this in today's world, you know, the truth is that hurt people hurt people. And only healed people heal people. I invite you to consider putting your effort into healing yourself and healing people rather than continuing to hurt yourself with the hurt that's already been internalized and playing it out over and over and over again. That's what our work here together is about. To look at every piece of your mind, of my mind, that holds Sadness, grief, rage, pain, any form of drama and trauma, and bring the root of it forward to the active presence of love. That's the purpose I would offer of first century Aramaic forgiveness. So perhaps we could think differently than the world has brainwashed us to think. I believe it is an effort that is so worthy that we've dedicated our lives to taking it to every mind, heart, and being on the planet. And I invite you to join us in doing that. That's the, a bird's eye view of what this work is about. Of course, there are many, many, many other facets, but that's the bird's eye view. And Jeannie, do we have Dr. Tim with us today? We do, and he's on. Great. Well, let's say hello to Dr. Tim and see if he has any thoughts in that regard or anything to share with us today. Well, I'm doing well, thank you, and um, enjoying the intro. And my thoughts in that regard are the ditto. You know, I just it's it's so amazing to me that 
with all of the evidence we have for how powerful love is, and we have people like Mother Teresa and Gandhi and Nelson Mandela and others to show us time and time again that the most powerful process is loving and that peaceful resolution is the lasting resolution. And yet nobody thinks about using that when they're faced with violence. Or not not nobody, but most of us don't. And of course, that it's a wonderful idea to be able to turn that around and have people focusing on what actually works long term. The loving, the nurturing, the supportive response from the recognition that anytime anybody does anything out of anger, it's covering their pain or their fear. And once we understand how this energy system works, then it becomes entirely possible to have a whole range of different responses to someone's anger because we're understanding that it's coming from pain or fear. And if we have somebody who's in pain or fear, we have a whole different response to them because it can elicit from us the nurturing, supportive part of our humanity. And then the other thought is we had our support group last night and we watched the 1995 interview of Dr. Michael Rice by Mitchell J. Rabin. And uh, so we had lots of questions and comments about that review, kind of the basics of this work and the energy system and It's interesting to go back to 1995 and watch, you know, the state of your understanding of this work and how you were presenting it to Mitchell, who was, while he was in the field of spirituality and energy work and trying to find a loving solution for things, he was brand new to the work you were doing. And so... um, Again, it was stirring up different brain cells for me and probably the biggest discussion point that came up in the group after the video was the idea of, so why am I, one of our members got a whole different level of understanding resonated for her about the concept that this energy field universe, this law of resonance that governs our universe, determines that before I can give anything to anybody else, I have to possess it fully. And so if I'm going to be angry or hateful toward another person, I have to let the energy of anger or hatred into and let it permeate my physical energy system. And that's a destructive force, and I get the full force of the destructiveness and the disruption of it. And then I send it out, and it's a faint copy that goes out, and other people may or may not be home for delivery. They, they may respond to it or have it resonate certain energies in them or not. But the damage has already been done to me. And so her question that came out of that was, so why would I care about what I'm sending out to somebody else because I'm the one who's hurting if I choose a destructive energy to begin with? And so that prompted discussion and many layers of discussion about whether or not I can feel somebody else's energies or pains or emotions and the discussion about the people who are labeling themselves as empathic, and it was very productive. And then as we moved on in in the support group, we had um, two different people who asked for help in framing worksheets. And so we helped them frame out different worksheets that were, you know, the process was eluding them. 
and that gave rise to some more questions and then I talked about one of the more powerful worksheets that I had done um in that group and um where there were a stack of six worksheets I had done on a Sunday night where every time I came to the middle of the worksheet I felt like I'd fallen asleep I felt like waves of fatigue and then when I got to the end I basically felt blank I didn't feel the upset I had at the beginning but I didn't have any insight and I didn't really feel clear and by the time I had done the sixth one I just kind of gave up gave in to the fatigue and went to bed and when I woke up the next morning I woke up with the thought of oh well that thing that I thought was this huge problem that's no big deal at all that 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 can easily be resolved and I didn't know why I I didn't I still didn't have the connection so I spoke about it on the internet show on that Monday and then I did some more worksheets Monday night and then I spoke about it on the show on Tuesday and something I said prompted you, Michael, to say something about, oh, it sounds like you went unconscious. And soon after that, I had this big insight into what it was happening and what it was all about. And I did a worksheet in the support group on Tuesday night. This is, you know, probably four years ago. And... In that worksheet, I actually got the insight about the upsetting event or the event that I thought was so upsetting that triggered some upset in me from 10 days earlier that in the moment it happened, I shut it off and I went for 10 days interacting with people thinking, I'm fine, I'm clear, I have no upset. People around me were getting triggered left and right and wanting me to change what I was saying or doing and and I just had this kind of a surface level, well, everything's fine. I don't know what you're so upset about. And when I finally cracked through the unconscious material, here was the upsetting event or the triggering event from 10 days earlier. So we, we talked about that in in response to a couple questions from members in the group last night, and it really seemed to help them get a grasp on how not every worksheet is going to provide this powerful aha experience, and yet if I'm just committed to it and I keep doing, I'm willing to keep going at it and doing the process of identifying my goals and canceling them, I will eventually get to the part of my mind that's holding the upset and be able to heal it. So that was our support group last night. Nice, great example, uh, Tim. And you know, when you mentioned Gandhi, you uh, you triggered the uh, the film. If you haven't seen the film Gandhi, and and you might get the Gene and I like to do films. That's kind of our recreation when we're traveling, especially. But um, you know, if you watch the movie Gandhi, and and I don't know how you capture you know fifty years of a man's life in three hours, but uh, it's a powerful synopsis. But but there's a really powerful piece in there for me where Gandhi uh, instructs his wife to go and rake the latrine, the toilets. And she is like, that's the work of an untouchable. I wouldn't do such a thing. And Gandhi just goes into a rage at her. Now, I'm sure that it wasn't, or I suspect it wasn't this precise an event, but it's portrayed as he deals with his rage in that situation. He just explodes at her and tells her to get out you know, to leave if she's not going to follow his infantile goals. And and that's such a key that that when we hold one of those infantile goals, that's going to bring up hostility or fear if someone will not fulfill that goal. But it was interesting to watch how then he processes himself for a few minutes, realizes his unconsciousness, his part in the thing in his rage and he goes to her with an apology totally shifting his energy totally making a different contribution to the relationship and the situation and apologizes to her and says of course you don't need to rake the latrines you're my wife which was one of her protests and at that point 
her whole attitude turns around and says, of course, I understand what you're doing and we are eliminating untouchability from our culture, in essence, she says, and I will go and rake the latrine. You know, uh, it's just such a powerful example when he's able to acknowledge his hostility, his rage in that situation and, you know, an important piece of work to have him get to the point where he can show up in a space where he's been put in prison by a man, go and face the man, Colonel Smuts, who's the the representative of the British government in uh, India that's just robbed and thefted and murdered and slaughtered and insulted and, you know, one of the most ancient cultures in the world. And he's able to stand before him as love, recognizing Colonel Smuts, the truth of him as love, but acknowledging that he's not going to play his silly game, you know, his manipulative game. He says, I hope this won't come between us as men, but, uh, you know, I can't, I can't go along with the insanity you're doing, but I still care for you as a human being. And, and it is a, a, uh, a worldview that changed the world and without strike, without fight, without killing on the part of India through British, which if I remember correctly, one of the pieces of research I did, I think Britain has invaded and slaughtered people in approximately 170 different countries like they were privileged to do so. And they were doing people a favor as they did. And without having to shoot back and kill, Britain voluntarily walks out because of this primarily the work of this man who models that we can live as human beings with a different worldview. And if we could just, you know, and and go back 2,000 years ago and you hear Yeshua saying, love those who hate you, do good to those who despitefully use you, and people still, without love of truth, think, oh, I'm supposed to lay my head down on the chopping block and let that person beat on me? No, that's not what he said at all. But he said, here's what will change your world. If you Stand as a being of love in the presence of what you call your enemy. If from that state of being you will do behavior toward that enemy, that enemy is not going to be able to carry on their insanity because the active presence of love dissolves insanity. Of course, it's got to be actually active and present for that to happen. And that's the challenge because people in rage and pain and fear have difficulty bringing that actual, live, fresh, active experience of love forward. And the the power of the first century Aramaic forgiveness process to give us that experience to me is just so monumental and such a gift to to have an understanding of and to be bringing to the world. I feel so privileged and honored and certainly honored to have you on the team doing it, Dr. Tim. Much appreciation for you. Well, thank you. I um I had the You deserve it. I I had the brain cells firing while you were talking about another piece of work I did this morning. And it had to do with um it it connected back to when I was about three years old and I understood that from all of my teachings and being raised in the Catholic um church and school and family that I was just talk about love all the time talking about love and so I was operating under the belief that if I just loved people enough if I just there in my little three or four year old body just focused on love and send it to them enough that it would literally change things and that I'd see it happen right before my eyes And the insight I had when I was doing the meditation on it was there I was, this energetic spiritual being in this physical body, knowing the truth of the law of resonance and the power of this creative energy force that some call love, but viewing it from the temporal, time-bound perspective and thinking that with you know my my limited intellectual understanding at the time that 
if I simply said a prayer or thought loving enough and send it to a person, I'd get to see the transformation right in front of my eyes. And the insight I had was that I was having, you know, the impact, I was having a positive impact, it just wasn't transforming everything that my eyes were looking at in that time frame. That it that the power of the creative energy force that many call love is not time bound. That it is infinite in the sense of or eternal in the sense of always po- most powerful in the present moment. And that simply because I set a limit or a goal saying that if this worked, then this should happen, it didn't mean that there was no positive impact. There was a positive impact. I was constantly positively affecting people by choosing that that energy and focusing on it and sending it to people. It just wasn't giving me what my limited intellectual capacity as a mind was telling me it should do. So that was just another piece of work that I was doing this morning with my partner. Powerful. Powerful. And, of course, when we can't see all of the uh, levels and layers of impact, we because our mind tends to be focused, you know, that nine-bit mind, for those who are perhaps new to the show, we quote oftentimes some Harvard research that says that in a time frame where there are 10,000 measurable units of electrical activity in the brain or 10,000 brain cells firing, the max amount of data that goes into constructing our perception is nine bits. And that nine-bit mind, that the perception that shows up there is driven by our goals that oftentimes we can't see Oh, just layer upon layer and level upon level of impact because our nine-bit awareness is focused on whatever this goal drives it to, and it's a whole lot more going on than we can see through that perspective. That's pretty powerful. Uh, pretty powerful insight. Cool. Well, let's check with Jeannie and see if there's anybody with a hand up in the phone queue or anyone who's uh, got anything to say in the chat room that we could be supportive with. Chat room is just me and Donna, and it's really quiet. Nobody has their hand up. I'm going to take this opportunity to say thank you to Michelle for filling in for me so many days last week and this week. And uh, we do have high speed, so that's phenomenal. And we still don't have air. For a while this morning, we didn't have water. So it's... it's, um, a challenge, but we're getting there. And uh, we did have a hand just now go up. Cool. Let's say hello. Area code 814. You're on the air. Uh, Hello. This is Greg from Pennsylvania. Hi, Greg. Welcome. Uh, How can we support you today? My question has to do with, uh, I'm trying to, I know that I've had experiences where in my meditation, and even in uh, dreams and things like that, it seems like I'm more tuned in to what's going on on the outside and that there's a struggle when I try to bring the meditation into creating my own space. I remember, uh, it was a while ago, but, you know, struggling to do the a body point meditation and things like that. I was wondering if you could give any advice on how to bring that awareness inside or and what might be the issues? Michael, we're not hearing you. Michael, are you still there? Excuse me. Okay, okay, I've got it. My my mute button's being stubborn today. In any event, the the point of conscious awareness being that which is happening in what we'll refer to as the nine bit mind is driven by goals. And so what you might find helpful uh, when you're going into that meditation, you're wanting more to go within, is to look at any goals you may have for things outside of you. You know, I, I go into a meditation this morning and, you know, I go into it with, 
boy, I sure want that meeting this afternoon to go well, and I sure hope that, uh, you know, a check comes through to the bank, and I sure hope that, uh, you know, this gets done and that gets done. And so those goals, when active, can keep brain cells firing that don't allow us to get into a quiet enough space. We oftentimes see people who, you know, they never turn off the noise. And so things are continuously resonating. I remember we were traveling a few years back and we stayed with uh, someone who was a psychologist and we were in the room next to their uh, bedroom and all night long the television was blaring away. That mind could never get quiet because it's continuously being resonated by that activity. And there are people who say, "Oh, I want to go. I want to go into those deep places inside of me, and I want to." But I'm not going to give up my football game. And no, I'm not going to. No, I like the sitcoms. Well, and actually, I like to watch television until two in the morning. And you know, I really want to. I want to. I want to. And all these goals keep carbon-based memory firing and turning and churning. Whereas, and there's where Yeshua gives a really powerful piece of advice a couple thousand years ago. He says, close the, go in the closet and close the door. You know, like, get quiet. Let go of all the goals that you have for the external world if you want to drop into the internal world. And you've got to let go of the distractions and the noise. So maybe try going into your meditation and cancel any goals that you have for the rest of the day or whatever and see if that helps to uh, to quiet the things that keep the distraction going. Does that fit? Does that make sense? Uh, yeah, okay. Uh, I think my problem was uh, probably about 10, 15 years ago, I went through this phase where I was doing a lot of different spiritual work with uh, different churches and things like that. And I think right. I got atta- attached to the work that was away from me. And uh, recently, as an alternative, I got involved with some online prayer groups. Right. And that seems to be helping out because it's like I'm at home and I'm tapping into that spiritual unity when I'm at home. And it seems to be clearing some of the energy out. So I think that's helping me to to do that. And I think, but uh, yeah, I I, I try. I've uh, done a lot of self-hypnosis and stuff, trying to get rid of that baggage and go within. So I think it's just a work in progress. Right. It just seemed like it was taking too long. Right. You know, the world has this oftentimes this belief in hypnosis, but if you listen to the ancients, their advice was to transcend. And I read that as not floating off in space somewhere, but putting an end to the state of trance, it's really more about getting out of the state of hypnosis because the whole world is entranced in a worldview. And the worldview that's promulgated at every turn by virtually every media outlet, especially here in America, is that one of, you know, today, violence and, you know, let's go kill them and then, then everything will be okay. And, and that becomes... Uh, it hypnotizes people into a way of seeing, and I think Tim shared with us, if you were on the show the other day, very powerfully the research where they talked to people, if you were able to have a time capsule, what would you do? And and basically their their input was, well, we'd go kill Hitler so people didn't have all that suffering. And that mindset of kill, that, that insanity, is a state of hypnosis. So my take in and I've been trained in hypnosis in the early years of doing developing the work that I do now, I did do hypnosis work. And what I found was that that is not where the answer lie. The answer lie in dehypnotizing ourselves, and that's where the wake-up sheet uh, or the reality management worksheet that we have on the website is so powerful at collapsing the brainwash in the mind so that Literally, we can be out of our minds. You know, in order to really, truly function as a human being, you've got to be out of your mind. You've got to let that thing get quiet, become conscious and aware as a being, and then take charge of your mind. And so that would be be my input. And I don't know if you've uh, tapped into the forgiveness processes yet, but if you haven't, 
you could go to whyagain.org, and if you scroll down the page a little, you'll see a, a bullseye in the middle of the page. And if you click that, it opens a whole series of links that will take you into how to do the reality management wake-up sheet and how to how to consciously, purposely, consistently collapse the noise of the mind until the mind is quiet. And then in that quiet space, the being, which is of a finer, subtler energy, gets to wake up and start to take charge. Okay. Yeah, I've only listened to a couple episodes so far. That'd probably be a little bit more like a Buddhist mindfulness meditation, Mm -hmm. a little bit. Mm -hmm. Okay, I'll check it out. Thank you. Well, and the the worksheet, if you... uh, if you go to the website, maybe the first place to go would be to look at the at the, uh, the bullseye. And then just to the right of the bullseye, if you click there, uh, there's a PowerPoint presentation that has 23-minute video. Uh, there, you can It opens a couple of links. You can actually look at the uh, the uh, program or the, the words of the uh, presentation. But then there's a video, and that will give you more of an idea of the why and how of collapsing the output of the mind so it gets quiet. And you might just find that useful. And it leads to exactly the same place as that mindfulness, which ultimately becomes mindlessness. The mind is just quiet. It is no thought. And in the space of no thought, being arises to awareness. And so there's definitely a similarity there. Okay. Yeah, thank you. Cool. Fabulous. Nice to hear from you. Keep us posted on how things go if you uh, check out the uh, worksheet process. Okay. All right. Blessings. Take care. Okay. All right. Our calling number is 646-200-4169. We are in our uh, new winter quarters for uh, – for the next seven months, we've we've arrived there. Uh, we still aren't quite moved in yet because we still, as Jeannie said, don't have the air conditioning operated. We've had a gentleman here working on it for a couple of days, and looks like it's uh, the whole air conditioning system is going to need to be replaced. So that's kind of a a challenge. But uh, but we are here in this beautiful uh, eight and a half acres. We've, we're right in the middle of an eight and a half acre property that's right smack in the middle of development city with uh, malls and restaurants and stores and so it's pretty interesting to be out here with uh with clean air in ellington florida and uh, just surrounded by trees and uh it's absolutely beautiful so yesterday was kind of a on the cool side the nice breeze with the air not working we could open the windows and there was this nice cool air flowing in today there's no cool breeze there is a breeze but it's hot and so it's a little on the warm side so we're probably going to go back to the hotel we've been staying in the last few nights until we uh, get the air conditioner taken care of and settle in to uh to get finished writing rewriting why is this happening to me again and for Jeannie, who still hasn't um, titled her book uh, to really get down to brass tacks and uh, start assembling uh, that piece of work. So it's got quite a bit of writing done on it. So hold the space for his falls in place. And uh, and also we're going to be, now that we just yesterday afternoon got the high-speed Internet in, so we'll be able to finally sit down and uh, look at the 10 hours or so of new video that we've done, get it edited, and uh, and make it available on DVD. So, so hold the space for us to complete those projects. We'd appreciate that support. And Jeannie, anything happening in the chat room or anybody with a hand up in the phone queue? No, nothing on either one. So there's several people on the switchboard. So if somebody presses one, you're first in line without waiting. A couple more people have joined us in the chat room, but there's no questions. Okay, and we've got about 15 minutes, so uh, we'd love to have your questions. And... If there's anything that uh, Dr. Tim has shared that I've shared so far that that you go, that something about that doesn't make sense or I'd like to understand on a deeper level or tell me more about that, that's the kind of thing that makes this show live and happen. So if you're in the phone queue and you push one, without any waiting, we've got a conversation going. And we do have 15 minutes left, so we've got time for some good conversation yet. 
it's interesting how sometimes we see people who kind of sabotage themselves and wait for the last, you know, the two-minute bell and then hit one and want to have a whole conversation. And uh, So if you've got one of those uh, thoughts in mind, we would appreciate you pushing one and let's have a conversation. And, you know, sometimes people think, well, you know, like my, I'm just starting this work, this question's silly, it's obvious, it's primitive, uh, you know. Uh, no, actually, please ask your question. Some of what seem like the simplest questions can be some of the most important ones to everybody. And each question is a gift to the whole listening audience. So that's why we do this show on an interactive level to uh, to have that live energy of a question in mind as we move forward in bringing out the understanding of the first century Aramaic forgiveness process and, of course, all the tools that we teach. So. So if you're on one of those stations where we can't see you on our control panel, our calling number is 646-200-4169. And if you dial that number, you'll be listening to the show. And if you push one, through the magic of technology, that will raise a little finger up in the, the control panel, and Jeannie will know you want to talk to us. I just got There's a text from Julie in Ashland, Oregon. And she said, uh, just as a reminder, and we've already got air copy, but Inside Out is now in stores. Uh, it's at Costco and Sam's, and I'm not sure where all else. So you can get your own copy of that movie. We already have ours. And uh, so then that also made me think, thank you, Julie, for uh, your support and uh, donations that you sent us the other day when we put out a call. We appreciate that. Absolutely. And yes, get inside out and watch it. We actually received it just before we left Heartland, and uh, we watched it um, that that evening, two evenings before we left. And uh, it was quite impactful to see once again, and I think we've seen it six or seven times each time, build a few more brain cells and see another level of of how they've integrated, you know, what what really is going on, how this whole thing works, and uh, it's pretty amazing. And Scott at Heartland uh, saw it for the first time and uh, found it impactful. I, he was watching at least pieces of it the next day again, and uh, I think uh, really tying in and relating it to the work is a pretty pretty powerful piece of work. And Scott, if you're out there, we haven't heard your voice. Uh, you know, if you push one, we could be saying hello and see what's happening with your process and what uh, what projects are taking taking place at Heartland. Scott and Jim and Julie are there. Maggie and Chuck just down the road, Patrick down the road, and all things moving forward at Heartland. And there are also uh, two groups. Uh, Bill Constantino just finished up his 30-day forgiveness adventure, and there's actually one of his members out of that group that is going to join us in Florida for a nine-day intensive. Uh, She's got so much out of that 30-day uh, program that she wants to take it to the next level, and so she's going to join us for that. And then Susan, I think, is doing. Has she already started? She's in her third week, I think, of her loss of living. I think she's. Yeah, I think uh, Monday night was her second class, I believe. I got a uh, uh, a text from her yesterday after she uh, completed the class, and uh, she said she was on cloud one thousand. And she's in the process of teaching her fourth eight-week Clause of Living class and just uh, growing and processing in leaps and bounds. It's an an amazing process to engage in, and that'll be one of the intensives we'll do in February. We'll actually start that one on February the 18th in Orlando. So if you're out there in the frozen Northland, along about the middle of February, you're going to be ready to get away. We have rented this awesome 3,500-square-foot, beautifully decorated home about five minutes from Disney World in Orlando for the month of February and into March. And so uh, February 18th, we'll start uh, 16-Day Laws of Living. So if you'd like to uh, to join us for that process, we'd be honored and delighted to have you with us. And, of course, we're also going to begin a nine-day codependence to interdependence communication practicum on the 1st of February. So the first 16 days of um February will be tied up with that communication codependence practicum. Uh, It'll be a nine-day workshop 
for those who can only be there for nine days, and then let's stretch out to 16 days for people who want to and have the space to do the whole 16 days. And then we'll take one day off and head into laws of living. So if you're ready to take it to the next level and, you know, you're interested in transitioning into a new line of work, uh, here uh, Susan has um, created herself an income stream. She's doing her fourth laws of living class. She's got uh, eight uh, eight participants in the class. So it's um, it's part of her vision. I also got a text from her. And, you know, maybe if you're out there, Susan, you'd call and you'd uh, read us uh, your, I had the thought of doing it, but I'd rather you did, your new purpose statement, which you texted to me. It's pretty awesome. And uh, that as you transition out of uh, the work that you have been doing for several years uh, on a day-to-day basis in toward working with people and bringing people to why work and the laws of living work and uh, just bringing healing to people is uh, it's an awesome opportunity. And uh, you, know, you go through laws of living and uh, you will understand more about the actual healing process than 99% of healers on the planet. And when we start looking at the physics and the energetic aspects of it, the depth that that uh, intensive goes to is absolutely monumental. And there are a whole series of collateral tools that go with it. Uh, the manual is about 200 pages that we'll go through in that 16 days. And so if you're ready to uh, start to make a transition into uh, doing something different with your uh, with your work life, that might be a place to start with that 16-day laws of living. You'll start on the 18th of February and, uh, and support you. And go for it, sweetie. I was just going to say, and also our chef Ari is coming down from Chicago and will be with us the entire month doing food Yay. and teaching people about raw food and and working with it and everything. And also at Ari's request, I put out on the website, if you go to the for the flyers, so you go to whyagain.org and click on flyers. Then you can scroll down, and it talks about the Florida intensive. And before you get to click on for the flyer for the intensive, I've got a thing that says to see pictures of the facility, go to, and then I've got a link. So if you go to that, there's actually 24 pictures of the place out there. So Ari thought that that might also help give an incentive for people to, to join us there and to see what an awesome space that we have set aside for doing the internal work. Yeah, we're calling it the lap of luxury intensives or them because we have this absolutely beautifully appointed seven bedroom home just uh, five minutes from Disney World in Orlando and uh, so we would be honored, delighted if you wanted to join us. And the the cost of of the intensive there including everything will be accommodations food. And Ari uh, tells us he's got some exciting new recipes. And actually, Ari sounds more excited. You know, he's been coming to Heartland and doing intensives for 20 years, but he is more excited about this intensive and the food that he's going to do than I've ever heard him. I mean, just more enthusiastic and more excited than than I've ever heard him about uh, doing the food and intensive. He's got some some new recipes planned and uh, and some new things that he's planning to teach people. So that'll all be part of it. You'll get some hand on hands on fresh and raw food experience. You know, when we do an intensive, we do a totally fresh and raw diet. You will actually only eat food for whatever time you're there, from nine to thirty three days. And that food will be uh, as it comes from the ground. We won't be doing things out of packages or cans or boxes. It will actually be all fresh and raw food, and you'll learn how to handle it from the minute it comes in the door until you set it out on the plate. And, you know, it's it's always fun to see people who, especially who are diet-in-the-wool meat eaters who can't imagine a life without a piece of dead cow or dead pig or what have you, uh, about the third day, saying, "You know, I'm just I'm so full and I'm so satisfied. I, if I if I could eat like this all the time, I'd never eat an animal again." And they shock themselves, <laughs> but the food is absolutely delicious, and the variety. You know, people when they think fresh raw food, what, what do you eat? Grass? Or you, you know, I mean, you eat lettuce? What is it? We have all kinds of things. We have lasagna. We have spaghetti and vegetarian balls we have truffles we have, i mean just 
all kinds of awesome stuff. So the uh, the palate will be very delighted <laughs> with what happens with the food in that time period. And and one of the benefits uh, of that side is, of course, the food is all fresh and raw, so it's highly mineralized and it's highly uh, enzymatic in its action. So it tends to begin and set up a detoxification, and, and then that includes the detoxification of the palate. So people will go back and, uh, you know, oftentimes what used to be their favorite food, all of a sudden they realize that the, their so-called favorite food, they weren't tasting food at all. They were fa- tasting the artificiality of, you know, salts and sugars and chemicals that stimulated the palate. So the palate went yum, but really wasn't food. And so for nine days or 16 days or 33 days, if you're there for the whole, for the both in, both intensives, you'll eat only actual food. And that really changes everything in a most amazing way. And so, and you'll walk out of there with skills for going home and, you know, shifting over to the degree that you choose to into more and more of a a nutrient-solvent dietary regimen. You know, if you look at the uh, the dietary habits of most people in this culture, you know, it's just like finding so often when we're traveling, we'll go into a restaurant and, and I try to find actual food. And, you know, it's it's really difficult to find actual food. Well, yeah, well, we've got that whole wheat toast. Well, let me look at it. You squeeze it and it's like a marshmallow. Excuse me, that's not whole wheat. Here, show me the package. Enriched white flour, first ingredient. Second ingredient, enriched white flour. Third ingredient, enriched white flour. Oh, we put in a teaspoon of whole grains and so we call it whole grain bread. You know, I mean, it's just the, the fraud of the culture when it comes to food is just amazing. And, you know, the convenience factor in, in the food business, you know, you've got it in a box, you've got it in a package, it's frozen, you throw it in the grill and you put it on a plate and you serve it, bears little resemblance to actual food. And you will taste the difference and you will know from the taste when you fish in intensive uh, what real food tastes like. And it's just, it's so delicious as food, not because it's got a lot of sugar or salt or spices or things in it, but it's actual food that you get to taste once you detox the palate. So... If you're uh, if you're ready to uh, to take your process to the next level, then you might want to look at joining us in February, and it'll be a a pretty intense intensive because we've got room for uh, 12 people in in total, and including Ari, so it'll be 11 plus Ari, and so it'll be there'll be a lot of personal attention with this intensive. More so, you know, normally we're more up in the 30 range. Uh, the number of people so so it'll be a little different and uh, if you're ready to go for it we'd love to hear from you and have you join us that'd be awesome in the meantime our calling number is 646 well goodness we're down to just the last minute or so it just announced in my ear so I that last 15, 15 minutes went quickly anything hey, else uh, on your mind Jeannie to close out uh, just spend the last uh, few seconds um Somebody else, uh, Julie also texted me that most people that she spoke with who had seen Inside Out said that they either cried through half the movie or they knew someone that cried through half the movie. And I would offer that that's because they realize that there's a part of themselves, just like the character in the movie, who hadn't embraced their sadness and let it go. And so it was running their life. So when they can finally get in touch with that, then they can heal. Yes, absolutely. Very powerful. You look online, do some research on it. It's like, so many conversations from adults about the tears they had and the emotions they had in it. And it just touches those unresolved parts. And, and in order to heal, you've got to touch those unresolved parts. That's what we're here to support you in doing. And embrace those with the active presence of love. Powerful demonstration of that being done in the movie. We appreciate you, and we join you in having the best year yet of your eternal life. Blessings. Bye-bye. Love and continue.
Thank you for listening to Mind Shifters Radio with the Forgiveness Doctor, Dr. Michael Rice and his wife Jeannie, who present the internal Aramaic process of forgiveness. Michael and Jeannie are here every Monday through Friday on Earth Angels Radio. For more on Michael and Jeannie, please visit www.yagain.com. That's www.whyagain.com. Evolving continuously.